0: Are you guys glad to be here today? Well, we have been in a series called "Till Death Do Us Part." Till death do us part. It's been a great series. Anybody learn anything? Anything new? Good, good, good. We learn things all the time when we teach things like this. It's an awesome experience for us because it renews um, our love for one another, and then it exposes all of our flaws. All of my flaws. But we are in it to win it, and uh, we desire for you as a married couple, maybe you as a divorced person, maybe you as a single person, to know what it looks like to have a, a marriage that lasts till death do you part. And so that's what we desire to do. We desire to give you that foundation through the Word of God and the tools through the Word of God so that you can last in a marriage till death do you part. And so that's been our focus for the last few weeks. We've looked at a key verse. In Mark chapter 10, verses 6 through 9, look at it with me on the screen. It says, But at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and his mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they, know, so they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. You know what that verse is saying? It's God's desire and plan for us to be together in marriage till death do us part. Now, I want to honor some people today by doing this. How many are, are, I want to honor the person or the couple that's been married the longest that's here today. Who would raise their hand and say, you've been married 35 years? 35. Easy. That was easy. All right. How many guys would say, I've been married 40? 40 years? 40 right over here. Okay, 40. I'm starting low. These guys are awesome. Okay, how many 50-year marriages do we have over here? We got, we got a couple right over here. Anybody else? We got two couples right here. How many 55? 55? All right, how many 60? Anybody else 60 years? I think they're the winners. You guys are awesome. Oh, 60. 62 years they've been married. 62 years. All right. Well, we have a gift for you, Heather, if you'll take that to them. We have a gift, uh, uh, a gift card to J.B. Steakhouse. So you guys enjoy that. And we wanted to honor you, man. That is awesome. It was awesome to see all the 40s and the 50s and all that stuff as well. We also want to honor the couple that has bari- been married the shortest amount of time. How many of you guys have been married five years or less? <laughs> wow, lots of you guys. Okay, less than a year. How about that? <coughs> less than a year? Less than, okay, less than six months. <coughs> right up here? Is anybody else less than six months? You guys are married less than six months? Three weeks! <coughs> Woo-hoo! All right, well, you guys get a gift certificate as well. This is to the Italian pizzeria. Dia Doherty, or however do you say it, Dia D'artys, Dia Dorky's, I don't know Diardi's.
1: what it
0: is. Dia DiArtys. Dia Pizzeria, the best New York-style pizza in Woodward, Oklahoma. <laughs> 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 so you guys enjoy that, enjoy that. let's congratulate them. Three weeks. <laughs> now, here's the other thing. All of you guys that want to come up after church, I'm going to give away a few books as well. I've got like, uh, I think, seven of these books. Um, this book is called The Experiment. Hello. All you guys come running. Yeah. <laughs> All the guys that want a book like this, this is called The Experiment. If you've never heard of it, it was written by Ed and Lisa Young. They're pastors in Dallas. They do a great job talking about sex and marriage and dating. It's called The Experiment: Seven Days of Lasting Intimacy with Your Spouse. You get to have sex for seven days. <laughs> Anybody like that? In a row. <laughs> so, some of you guys that are married, I know you're embarrassed right now, but you guys come grab one of those at the end, and, and we would love to give you that book. It's an awesome book. It's a godly book. It's not just something that, um, that just happened. It, it is a great book. They actually do a whole series at their church on, on the sex experiment, and uh, it's a great time as well. So grab one of those before you leave. First come, first serve. All right, well, here's the thing. I want to talk to you today about the difference between this, the difference between a contract and a covenant. Now, anybody ever signed a contract? Raise your hand if you've signed a contract, if you own a home or if you bought a car or anything like that. You've signed a contract. Here's the thing about a contract. A contract um, a contract can save your butt. How many of you guys have ever been in a situation where things went south in a deal that you made but the contract saved your butt? Yeah, I mean, it's a, contracts are good. My dad always taught me, hey, put it in writing. If you're going to make a decision, put it in writing so that you can have that contract, which in, in some cases can be, you know, be helpful. Well, what's the point of a contract? A contract in many situations are written and signed out of this. Now, you may not think this, but this is what I think. I, I sign a contract out of mistrust. <laughs> Anybody, I mean, with me there? I sign it out of mistrust. The reason I'm signing this contract, or I want you to sign this contract because I don't trust you, right? Or I can't trust you. I can't trust the world that we're living in. And therefore, we sign a lot of contracts out of mistrust or personal protection. It's to protect ourselves. Um, and, And in most cases, there are many loopholes in contracts. You ever thought about that? I mean, there's conditions. If this doesn't happen, then w- the contract is void. There's contingencies. If you don't pay this amount and if you don't you know, pay it by this date, then the contract is void. A- and, and there's many ways to get out of a contract. Well, here's the thing. Sadly, I believe that many marriages have been built on a contract. They've been built on a contract. Uh, people just say, you know what, we'll just try this. We'll just give this a try. If it doesn't work, no big deal. We'll just uh, end it in divorce, and we'll just try it with someone else. They put conditions on their marriage, like as long as she is faithful. Or as long as someone better doesn't come along. Or as long as I'm in love with her. Or as long as I'm in love with him. Or here's the big one. As long as I'm happy. I hear it all the time I do a lot of premarital counseling I do a lot of you know, marriage counseling as well And I hear these things I'm just not happy in my marriage And here's the thing The truth is As Christians we ought to be happy in our marriage But there are times where I'm not happy In our marriage Do you, do you agree? Are, you, are there times when you're not happy? Or are you satisfied the whole time babe? The
1: whole time Oh okay No, there's
0: lots of times. Lots of times that she's not happy. All right, let's stop right there. That's enough. Well, here's the thing. Today we are going to give you and show you a better way to have a marriage. And here's the key word. I believe there's a better word than a contract for marriage, and here's the word, covenant. A covenant. You say, well, what's a covenant? Well, a covenant literally means coming together or a bond And guess what? In the word of God, the word covenant is used over 300 times, 300 times. Let me share with you the differences between a contract marriage and a covenant marriage. Here's some examples. A contract marriage says this. I take you for me. A covenant marriage says I give myself to you. You get it? A contract marriage says you had better do it. But a covenant marriage says, how may I serve you? A contract marriage says, what do I get? But a covenant marriage says, what can I give? A contract marriage says, I'll meet you halfway. But a covenant marriage says, I'll give it 100% no matter what you give. You get that? A contract marriage says, I have to. A, a covenant marriage says, I want to. Here's the thing. A contract marriage is based on rules. It's based on laws. But a covenant marriage, it's based on promise and commitment. Those are the things that I would help and and, and argue that would define a contract marriage and a covenant marriage. And you say, okay, Bo, how do we have a covenant marriage? Well, covenant marriages possess a lot of things, but we're going to cover three in the next few weeks. Number one is this, and I wa- we're just going to cover number one today. We're going to not try to make it a marathon of a church service, okay? Can I get an amen? <laughs> we'll make up for last week. I, I enjoy talking about sex, dating, and marriage, though, so anybody else? I mean, no one. I got one guy. He's the only guy that's, never mind. <laughs> I could say a lot of things. You're, you're a happy man, aren't you? See? <laughs> He's the only one who raised his hand. The the bed's not cold in his house. (laughs) But here's the thing a covenant marriage possesses this thing, and this is what we're going to cover today. Number one is this if you want to write this down on your pink sheet that we gave you. Number one is this covenant marriages are passionate. Covenant marriages are passionate. You say, well, you know, or or let me just say this. Sadly, one of the things that I think is missing in a lot of marriages, and especially in Christian marriages, is there is no passion. There is no passion, and my question is, why? Here's the thing. If God is the God of the universe, if God has given us the best way to have a marriage, then why don't we have passion? If God sent his only son to die on a cross so that we could have eternal life in heaven, my question is, why don't we have passion? Why don't we have passion? Here's the thing. I believe that we ought to be passionate about two things in a covenant marriage. Two things. Here you go. This is under number one. So these are the two things that we should be passionate about. Number one is this. Covenant couples are passionate about Jesus Christ. Covenant couples are passionate about Jesus Christ. Here's the thing. To have a covenant marriage, God has to be in it. God has to be in your marriage. And, and, and here's the thing. True love, f- sincere love, forgiving love, passionate love all come from God. They all come from God. Listen, human love is amazing, but God's love blows human love out of the water. Can I get an amen on that? Yeah. Can we do some clapping today? Can we get some energy in here? Here's the thing. You say, well, you know, how? How does God's love blow human love out of the water? Let me give you some examples. God's love is unconditional. You say, well, what's that mean? It means that his love is not based on what I do. Remember what we talked about When we talked about a performance horse, we talked about performance as a Christian. Listen, his love is not based on what I do for him. He loves me unconditionally. Unconditionally. My wife and I, I love, I'm going to be honest, and she's probably not going to be honest. (laughs) I love her conditionally sometimes. Anybody love your spouse conditionally sometimes? If you get out of bed and get me that ice cold drink before we go to bed, I'll love you. But if you don't, it's conditional, right? I mean, oftentimes our human love is conditional, but God's love is unconditional. Here's the other thing about God's love God's love is never ending. Some of you guys have been in in a relationship that has ended, and you know the hurt, you know the pain, you know what it means to to feel that just that brokenness. Listen, God's love is never ending. If you will experience God's love, if you will give your life to Him, His love will never end for you. Here's the third thing, or or another thing that God's love is. God's love is sacrificial. It's sacrificial. And you say, well, how did God show his love sacrificially? John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have what? Everlasting, Everlasting life or eternal life. God loved us so much that he sent his only son. I have two boys and I ain't going to send them for you for nothing. I'm not going to crucify my sons for you, but that's how much God loves us. He sent his son so that we can have forgiveness, so that we can experience the love of God. You know what that is? That's passion. That's love. And so here's the thing. In light of God's love for us, we should be compelled to love God. Because of his love for us, we should be compelled compelled to love God, and you say, well, okay, Bo, what does a passionate love for God look like? Here's my answer to that. You may be wondering, what's a passionate love for God look like? Here's the thing. To have a passionate love for God means that he is the center of your life. He's the center of your life. He's not just a part of it. He's not just like job, hobbies, wife, kids, God, you know, Bible, church worship all those things no guess what god should be in a passionate love relationship with us he should be the center of your life everything that you do in life ought to revolve around your relationship with jesus christ that's what it looks like that's what it means to be passionate about god here's the thing i see it all the time i see a lot of couples and they're and they're going maybe just through the motions they, they may even come to church. They talk to the talk. They maybe, you know, they come to church. They give their tithe. They go through the motions. Be, here's why. Because Jesus is only a part of their relationship. He's only a part of their life. He's not the center of their life. I want to show you a scripture in uh, Colossians 3.17. Look at it with me on the screen. It says, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it what? Can you say it a little bit louder? All. all. Let me read that again. And whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all. all, which includes marriage, which includes family, which includes your job and your hobbies, in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Mark twelve thirty says this. Love the Lord your God with what? All your heart and with all your heart. Your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. I think that covers everything. And you say, Well, Bo, I I like to do things, you know, just for myself. That's fine. Do things for yourself, but give God the honor for everything that you do, everything that you have. Listen, a passionate love for God means that we worship Him, it means that we spend time with Him, it means that we pray to Him and we read His Word. Why? Because of his great love for us. Now, here's the thing. Some of you guys that are married, uh, you men, you, you husbands, listen. As, as a covenant husband, you are to set the pace. I want you to hear this. I pick on guys a lot because I am a guy. But here's the thing. God has called a husband to lead his wife. You say, well, how do I lead him? You lead him by spending time with the Lord. You lead them by serving the Lord. Your wife shouldn't have to drag you to church. You should be the one who willingly leads her to church. Can I get an amen on that? Guys, listen, that's our calling. That's what God has desired for us. Listen, guys, we should be reading our word daily. We should lead our wife and our family in prayer. We should be involved in reading the Bible to our kids because that's what God has called us to. That's what a covenant husband does. And a wife does the same thing.
1: And a lot and some of this, I mean, it looks the same for all Christians, whether you're married or not. Um, as far as wives, we should also be loving, <coughs> serving, and spending time with God through prayer and Bible study. That's a personal thing that all Christians should be doing. Um, wives, we should be setting a godly example for our children and teaching them the Bible, instilling biblical morals in them. We should have a loving, listen <coughs> to this, and respectful <coughs> attitude towards our husbands. And if you look that up, I mean, that just means, to respect it means to admire or esteem them. So in other words, we should be on our husband's side. We're a team, and we should um, encourage them and be on their side as a team, and that's what a covenant wife should do. So in a, in a covenant marriage, we're going to wrap up number one. We should we must first be passionate about our relationship with Christ. And then
0: number two is this number one, be passionate about Christ. Number two, a covenant marriage, covenant couples are passionate about each other. Covenant couples are passionate about each other. Listen to this because of God's great love for us and out of that great love, we are able to love others. First John f- 4, verse 19 says this We love because he first loved us. He loved because, or we love because he first loved us. Here's something that I changed a while back in my life. I used to have priorities that looked like this. Here, here's my priorities God, my spouse, my kids, and then my church, you know, and then the job and everything else. God, spouse, kids, you know, church. Here's what I've changed in my life. And this is a spirit. I'm talking spiritually. Here's, here's my new priorities. God, self, spouse, kids, and church. You say, well, you're, you're putting yourself in front of your spouse, in front of your kids. Here's what I'm doing. Here's how I change that. I begin to think about myself spiritually before I could think about anybody else. I mean, if I'm not growing spiritually, spending time with God, if I'm not, you know, loving God, serving God, doing things for God, I will not be able to love my spouse. Some of you guys are putting yourself on the back burner and putting everybody else ahead of yourself and you're suffocating. You're dying. You don't have any energy. You don't want to love your spouse because you put yourself last. And again, are we to serve others? Are we to put people in front of ourselves? Absolutely. After we take time to spend God ourselves. Does that make sense?
1: And I think something that that we a lot of times don't realize is that our marriages (laughs) on earth should be a representation to others of what Christ's relationship with us should look like. In other words, and we're totally incapable of doing that if we're not spending time with the Lord daily. So the best earthly representation of our relationship with the Lord should be our relationship with our spouse.
0: That's right. And here's the fact. The fact is this. If you have a lukewarm relationship with Christ, guess what? Your marriage is probably going to be lukewarm as well. Here's the thing. When I'm spending time with God and I'm loving God and I'm serving God, my passion for God rises and my passion for my spouse rises. Anybody a witness of that? The closer you get to God, the closer you get to your spouse. Now, again, some of you guys are in a marriage with someone that isn't a believer, and we're going to get to that here in just a little bit. But the fact is, if you have a passionate relationship with God, you probably will have a passionate relationship with your spouse. Now, again, covenant husbands, listen to this. God has called you to passionately love your wife. God has called you to passionately love your wife. You say, how do you know? The word tells us. Ephesians 5, look at it. It says, husbands, love love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And then verse 28, in the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. You hear what that's saying? Men, we are to love our wives as Christ loves us. And you say, well, how does he love us? Well, he gave his life for us. That is a passionate thing. You say, well, well how did he give his life? He gave his life on a cross so that we could have eternal life. And that's how we're supposed to love our spouse.
1: And covenant wives, God has called you also to passionately love your husbands. Um, in Ephesians 5, 22 through 24, it says, Wives submit. And right here, this word just means to follow the lead. Submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. And we're not called to worship our husbands. Like we just said, your first love should be the Lord. And out of that love, you should be able to submit to your husband's loving leadership of you and of your home. Um, And again, we're not, and this is uh, something that we've heard just recently, a statement, is that your husband isn't your Lord, but your husband's leader is your Lord. Okay, hopefully that's true. And again, if it's not, we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But your husband's not your Lord, but your husband's leader is your Lord, okay? And you're supposed to submit to the Lord's leadership, which is on earth, your husband. So submit to that leadership. We're not called, again, to worship our husbands. We're not saying that you're supposed to be a doormat, that you're supposed to lose your identity, have no say, just constantly do whatever you're told to do. But we're saying, again, this means to to respect, to admire your husband, to make his job easier, which, trust me, I would not want his job. I would not want to be the head of the house and have to answer to the Lord for the way that I led my home, but to submit to the, to the calling that your husband has.
0: <clears throat> How many of you guys remember when, you, uh, those of you that are married, remember when you were dating? Anybody remember when you were dating, when you were married, or those of you that are married? Here's the thing. You know what you had when you were dating? It was passion. It was passion. You, you couldn't wait to see each other. I, I couldn't wait to see Heather. Here's something that I did and this was sacrificial on my part. I went to I, I, I couldn't I couldn't stand staying away from her so long that I went to a college class with her. <laughs> I mean that's, that's sacrificial. <laughs> I mean yes. this class was boring. I mean this class I couldn't I, yeah, I couldn't even tell you what it was. It was well,
1: computer networking, so it <coughs> was not fun.
0: A bunch of nerds in this class. <laughs> and uh and because I didn't want to be away from my wife, I went to that class with her. I mean, we would. And here's something else that was <laughs> sacrificial. Isn't in your notes. I know I, I don't put know this what he's in the. Say. I didn't write that in so you could see it. I I, I'd, I hate I hate to run. Anybody hate to run? Well, guess what? My l- wife loves to run. I mean, she's training for a marathon. She's going to run a marathon. or A half marathon. A half marathon. Okay, that's good too. But she loves to run. One of the things we did when we were dating, we ran. It was of the devil. <laughs> but listen, I loved my wife, and I couldn't stand to be away from her. I couldn't stand in dating to be away from her. You listen, ladies, you, you know, remember that time when you didn't care if your husband smelt bad? Because uh, all you smelt was the aroma of love. Love. I mean, that's passion. Remember, man, when you didn't care if your wife or your date, whoever you were dating would hold your hand in public? You didn't care. But now, you know, I mean, as long you didn't care because as long as they were touching you, that's all you really cared about. Listen, in dating, in your engagement, maybe even in the first year of your marriage, n- here's the truth. Nothing happened by accident. You know how it happened? It happened because you intentionally showed them love. You did it. You you bought them flowers intentionally. You planned dates intentionally. You did things romantically for each other intentionally. Here's the point. You don't accidentally fall in love, and you don't accidentally stay in love. I want you guys to hear that. Here's what tends to happen. You, You fall in love, but then you accidentally fall out because you're not trying and you don't have passion. Does that make sense? And so, again, it takes work and it takes passion. You say, well, what, what, what kind of work is it, Bo? What kind of work is it? Husbands, listen to this. It's time to start being romantic again. Can I get an amen from the ladies? <laughs> it's time to start being romantic. And some of you men are thinking, what the heck is that? What is it to be romantic well, if you will read the, the, the book of the Bible called Song of Solomon or Song of Songs, it will show you how to be romantic. And I, I just challenge you, steal everything from that book. Just say it all. You'll, you'll be. If you're married. If you're married, <laughs> you will be a happy man. Listen to the romantic Solomon in the book of Song of Solomon. In, in verse 1, verses 15, it says this. He's talking to his, uh, his, his spouse. Listen to what he says. How beautiful you are. When was the last time you told your your wife that she was beautiful? Listen, how beautiful you are, my darling. Oh, how beautiful. Your eyes are like doves. (laughs) Pitter-patter, pitter-patter. Listen, do you see the romance in that? I mean, here he is. He's complimenting her. When was the last time you complimented your wife? If some some of you guys are just like me, it's hard for you to say something nice. Is it is it true? I mean, how many guys? It's hard for you to look in your wife's eye and say, "Man, you're you're beautiful." How many guys? That's hard. I mean, it's hard for me. Here's here's I'll just confess to you. It's easier for me to publicly compliment my wife than it is for me to privately compliment my wife. Can I? That's just a secret. I'm just letting it out of the bag. But here's the thing: we are to compliment our wives. We are to be romantic. Listen, Solomon. He used words to show his wife that he was passionate about her. Some of you, you told your wife that you loved her on the day that you got married, and if anything changes, you'll let her know. (laughs) I mean, I've heard it. I've heard men, and they're cavemen, and they live in the dark ages, say that very same thing. I told her I loved her one day I married her, and if anything changes, I'll tell her. You know what that is? That's a, a cold bed. I'm just telling you, there's some cold beds in those houses. Listen, women want their husbands to be romantic. Uh, we had our sweetheart, our cowboy sweetheart banquet the other day, and, and one of the games that we played was the game where I had five, I think five or six of the guys, they, uh, they had to go and write a poem to their wife, and then they had to come back and they had to read the poem. And they're
1: going to come and recite that for you today.
0: And they're going <laughs> to come and... They're going to recite it. No, i just kidding. I think the
1: winner should. But the
0: winner, <laughs> I thought about asking him. But Lee Jones, Lee, raise your hand, buddy. Give it up for Lee Jones. I mean, Lee, come on down. I want—I got a gift for Lee right here so that he, his bed will be warm later on. But uh, this is a gift, gift card for Lee because he had the best poem. I, I'm just telling you, his poem was out of this world, and he did an awesome job. So give it up for Lee. I mean, here's the thing. Lee went first, too, so all the other guys were just in the hole. I mean, it, unless they started crying or something, they would have never won. But here's the thing. He was romantic. Some of you guys that maybe wrote those poems, you need to start writing more poems. You need to be more romantic. Um, here's the thing. Later on in that, in that scripture, in Song of Solomon, uh, verse 16, we look at Solomon, and his, his wife is talking now. And listen to what she says. She says, how handsome you are, my lover. Oh, how charming. Our bed, and our bed is verdant. And you say, well, what's that word verdant mean? You know what it means? It means it's vegetation. It's lush. It's, it's uh, you know, it's green. And here's here's the, the picture here. Song of Solomon or Solomon is, has possibly, and again, uh, there's a lot of metaphoric stuff and in, in, um, illustration in, in the Song of Solomon, but here's the point that we get out of it. Apparently, he has covered her bed with roses.
1: We're going to say it was true.
0: We're going to say that that's true. (laughs) Now, you say, well, how do I be romantic? Well, first of all, you tell her you love her. You tell her she's beautiful. But then you do things that are unpredictable. Maybe you need to go buy a dozen roses and tear all the petals off and put them on the bed. Amen? And then just put a little, whatever his name is, let's get it on. (laughs) That's what I'm talking about. Who was it? Marvin Gaye. That's what I'm talking about. Get a little Marvin Gaye on. And, uh, you know, but here's the thing. He covered the bed with roses. Remember, guys, listen to this. Making love to your wife starts outside of the bed. And and I've learned this. Making love to my wife starts in the kitchen. (laughs) Doing the dishes. (laughs) Making love to my wife starts when I clean up the kids after they've made up a mess. Making love to my wife starts when I actually pick up my dirty clothes and I put them in the dirty clothes hamper. (laughs) That's, keep going. Keep going. I'm digging some holes here. <laughs> but here's the thing. You, you, guys, if you will get this, your life will be much happier. I'm just telling you, there will be some worshiping going on in your house. But here's the thing. You, you have to be romantic. Let me give you some examples, guys. Okay, you ready for this? Here's some ideas on how to be romantic. Be impractical. And you're thinking, well, did you just say be practical? No, I said be impractical. Here's here's what I mean by that. Spend a little more money than you normally do. Instead of just buying the one rose, buy two dozen roses. Instead of, you know, expecting her to to like the way you smell, even though you smell like a cow, put a little cologne on. Amen? I mean, be impractical. Maybe some of you, not you guys, and listen, this is true for all of us guys. We got that favorite T-shirt that we go to bed in. Anybody with me? Or that favorite pair of boxers that we go to bed in, and it's got, like, holes in it. I mean, the, the pits of your, you know, I mean, the, the, the stains on your shirt. I mean, listen, guys, girls don't like that. Amen? <laughs> My wife and I, and I'm just telling on myself, she bought me a brand-new pair of boxers because I've worn the same ones to bed for about 50 years. Seven. She bought me, huh? She bought me seven pairs. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. And she bought me some shirts that she liked. And I go to bed in the shirt that she likes now, not the shirt that I like. Here's another thing. Be impractical in this way. Go shopping with her. Can I get an amen? <laughs> and here's the thing, guys. Don't just sit on the bench at the mall and eat a cinnamon roll. Actually go in the store and help her pick something out. Amen? Can I get some amens from the ladies? Listen, don't be predictable. Be unpredictable. Don't always go eat a steak and potatoes. Go eat some salad and chicken. (laughs) Support the chicken farmers. Because that's what she likes. Listen, guys, we ought to be romantic. This shows that we are passionate about our wives. And that's what a covenant husband does.
1: Okay, so covenant wives, you know what we're going to talk about now, right? Covenant wives are, are to be passionate about their husbands. <clears throat> and again, we can turn to Song of Solomon, chapter 7, verses 10 through 13. It says, I belong... This is the Shulamite woman speaking right here. I belong to my lover, and his desire is for me. Come, my lover, let us go to the country. Let us spend the night in the villages. Let us go early to the vineyards to see if the vines have budded, if their blossoms have opened, and if the pomegranates are in bloom. There I will give you my love. The mandrakes send out their fragrance, and at our door is every delicacy, both new and old, that I have stored up for you, my lover. So passion to a man usually involves what? Sex. Thank you for not being afraid to say Can that. Can we
0: say that again? Let's say that again. Passion to I don't a want man you guys to miss this.
1: usually involves... Food. <laughs> food.
0: <laughs> we got some food That's going on over true here. probably
1: um, And let me just... Speak on behalf of the men. This isn't a male chauvinist thing. This is a God thing. (laughs) This is the way that the Lord has wired men, just like he's uh, wired most women to be emotional and to um, enjoy the romantic side of things. He has wired men to um, be all about sex. So based on some research that we found, this isn't just stuff we've made up. Here are some facts about men. Number one, men are visual. Okay? Amen. And, and we'll talk more about this in the next week. But Can
0: I give him an instance on this? My wife, she, uh, she bought me some new underwear. Guess what we did when we went to Fort Worth? We went to Victoria's Secret. <laughs> and that's the store that I went in, and I didn't, send, I didn't sit out on the bench and eat a cinnamon roll.
1: Though he was a little embarrassed to be in there.
0: I asked if I could go into the dressing room, my friends. <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay. All right. Moving on.
0: Middle... Um, <laughs> <laughs> men are visual ladies you need to realize that we're going to talk about it I'll let you go go ahead okay. Sorry.
1: men think about sex twice as much as women if a man's sexual needs are met they will be more emotionally involved with their wives
0: <coughs> you need to hear so that ladies. remember that yeah
1: if a man's sexual needs are met they will be more emotional with their wives and men have approximately 18 sexual thoughts a day.
0: 1,800?
1: I'm surprised it wasn't more. Okay, so ladies, based on those facts, I would say that the single greatest way that you can show passion for your husband is to initiate sex.
0: What? Can you say that again? <laughs> I'm just trying to get this point across.
1: Okay, and if you'll go back to the Bible, the Shulamite woman initiates the lovemaking in this uh, section. She says, let us go up to the countryside there, I will give you my love. <laughs> and since we're a cowboy church, we can relate to being married to a bunch of cowboys. He probably really enjoyed going to the countryside. So Amen. T- to me, this what I got out of this was that they weren't in the bedroom. Um, and this tells me that she was trying to keep things in their marriage fresh and exciting. She was doing something different. She was putting some effort into it. She was using her mind and thinking about what would please him. <coughs> and so that's, you know, there's an idea for you. And also, if you read the beginning of chapter 7, um, she it's it's said that she danced for Solomon. So there's Amen. another idea Amen. It, since, since they're visual. But um, in the first few verses of chapter 7, he compliments every feature. I mean, if you go back and read that, from her navel, I mean, he's complimenting every specific feature on her body. So what this tells me was that she probably wasn't in her sweats and her granny panties. Amen. Okay, she she had thought about what uh, he liked and um, he was compl- he was complimenting her, so kudos to him. But so a word of encouragement again is to not throw away the Victoria's Secret when you get married and break out the granny panties, but to keep, you know, don't don't just toss keep it Keep going out. to Victoria's mm-hmm. Secret. Keep going. Get an angel card. <laughs> um, okay, and we also want you to, r- to realize back on that fact the if your husband is not emotionally involved with you, maybe it's because his sexual needs aren't being met. So I would say that the opposite of that one fact, it says if a man's sexual needs are met, they will be more emotionally involved. I would say that the opposite of that is true as well. If your husband has shut down, he does not talk to you, he's not emotionally involved in your relationship, then I would... Look at your sex life and see if he is uh, possibly not satisfied there, and maybe that is why um, he's not as emotionally responsive as you would like for him to be.
0: And let me give you an example of this. How many of you guys own or, or have a hot wire at your house? You got hot wire, like around your pins for your horses or your calves or whatever? No hot wire. All right, at my house, we've got hot wire. Now, here's the thing. I can push my horse into a hot wire one time. Guess what he'll do next time I try to get near the hot wire? He won't won't get near it. Here's the thing ladies, listen to this. If you say no to sex way too often, it's like pushing your husband into the hot wire. Here's the thing. You you think, well, what do you mean by that? Listen, just like a horse or a dog or any kind of other animal will shy away from that hot wire once they've been zapped by it. Listen, when you say no to sex too often, it's just like that. And listen, ladies, you, you may be thinking, well, I want to have sex. Well, listen, he is so gun-shy because you've said no so many times that he doesn't even want to come near you. And ladies, listen to this. For you to say, well, I don't have to have sex every time he asks, that's true. But here's the, here, can I just say, if you've had a horrible day, ladies, your men shouldn't just try to you know, make you have sex. Listen, it, it's not, that's not biblical. But here's what is biblical. Plan a rain check. Plan a rain check for sex. Ladies, listen, the greatest thing that my wife does for me, and, and this is maybe a little too intimate. Are you scared? <laughs> when, it, when I initiate I sex, and in I'm not going to try to get myself in trouble. I'm going to try to be godly right here. When I initiate sex with my wife and she has had a horrible day and she says no, guess what she says? Let's wait till the morning. Let's wait till tomorrow after you get off work. You know what that does? That heightens my sexual desire for her. You know why? Because I know I'm going to get to have sex. (laughs) You know what it does? It doesn't shut me down. She didn't go, no. (laughs) Some of you ladies, you got the elbow down. Get off me. Listen, plan a rain check. That's a godly thing. Men, listen, if your wives have had a horrible day, don't expect her to have sex every night. Don't expect her to, to take care of the kids and go to work and do all those things and then come want to have sex with you. She may be tired. Amen, ladies? <laughs> listen, it's not, it's not something that you can't overcome, but listen, ladies. The Bible teaches us this. If you are going to go without sex, it has to be mutual. In other words, you've got to talk about it. You've got to talk it through, and it has to be mutual. And don't go without sex for very long. You know why? Because the devil... Is real as well, and he will put some other lady who will offer your husband sex in your place. And that's how adultery happens. And so, ladies, listen, that's 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 good stuff right there. Don't say no too often because that's how God created men and, and, and all that.
1: And I also want to say don't use it. Um, like against him, don't withhold it just because he's not doing what he's supposed to do. Well, I'm not going to do what I'm supposed to do. That's not biblical either. And that's not part of a covenant marriage. Um, and if we, if the Lord looked at us like that, how often would we be in trouble? Okay, he loves us unconditionally. So whether they're doing their part or not, we should still be responsible for ourselves and do what the Lord has called us to do. So if you have said no to your husband, you know, way too many times, and he's afraid of the hot wire and he's afraid of getting zapped, the best way to get over that is to stop making sex excuses and start making love. Okay. So Amen. That's the way Can you say that
0: again? I want to hear that again. I love that. <laughs> do you hear what she said? Stop making sex excuses. Mm-hmm you get it, sex excuses, and start making love. That's what passion looks like. That's what uh, a covenant marriage looks like. Listen, covenant marriages are passionate. They're passionate about Jesus, and they're passionate about each other. Now, here's the thing, and this is what I want to close with. I want Olivia to come and Raymond, you guys come on up. Um, here's Here's the thing. Some of you guys are here today, and the truth is that you're passionate about Jesus Christ, And you're even passionate about your spouse, but your spouse isn't passionate about Jesus Christ. In other words, you've married someone that maybe doesn't know Christ. You made the mistake of being unequally yoked. And you have a passion for Christ, but your spouse doesn't. And you say, well, how do I have a covenant marriage with someone that isn't passionate about Jesus Christ? Here's my answer. Love the hell out of them love the hell out of them and you say well are you cussing Bo no I'm not even talking about that I'm talking about spiritually you need to show them the love that God has shown you it's not through nagging it's not through making them feel like a jerk it's through loving them it's through showing them what it looks like to have a personal relationship with Christ let's look at one more scripture I think there's another scripture first Peter is it up there? Yeah, wives, listen to this, wives, and, and this can refer to husbands as well. Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husband so that if any one of them do not believe in the word or in God, they may be won over without words by the, be, by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and the reverence of your life. You say, how do I win my unbelieving spouse to the Lord? How do I show them the love of God? Listen, you love the hell out of them. You show them your love. You show them God's love through everything that you do. There's a song that, that we're going to sing, and Olivia's going to sing it, and Raymond's going to play it. It's called Love the Hell, and it's, it's by Joey and Rory. It's a great song, and it, and it goes with this, uh, this point. So you guys listen to this song.
2: times my mama told me that boy's trouble with a capital T. You'll never change him. I know he's kind, but I didn't pay her any mind. Cause I, I- to go out on the town close every single beer joint down the hell out of him.
0: Great job. Let's bow our heads together. You guys bow your heads. <coughs> I want to close by just saying this. Many, many of you guys are maybe here today and And you're single, and you're going, well, what does this have to do with me? Listen, can I just encourage those of you that are single? You need to be working on your passionate love relationship with God. If you will pursue God with all you've got, if you will give him everything that you've got, if you will make him the center of your life, then one day, according to his will and in his timing, he will choose to bring you somebody that you can love passionately. And so maybe you're single, and that's what you need to be focused on. How can I love God? How can I serve God? Some of you guys are married, and and you're you're passionate maybe about God, but you're not passionate about your spouse. Listen, the, the best thing that you can do is stop being lukewarm and recommit your love to Christ and recommit your love to your spouse. Maybe you need to stop asking, what can I get And ask, what can I give? Maybe you need to stop giving just 50% and start giving 100%. Listen, in the next week, next Sunday, we're going to come back and we're going to talk more about what it it means to to have a covenant marriage. And we're going to cover two more things that we've got to have to possess a covenant marriage. And so I hope you'll be back for that. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much. For your word, thank you for how it shows us that that you are passionate about us, and Lord, if there's someone in this this barn today that ha- doesn't have a relationship with you, I realize that I, I hope that they realize that you're not mad at them; you are madly in love with them. And so, Lord, if there's someone in this place that needs to know you personally so that they can have that passionate relationship with you. I pray that they would find me, that they would find one of our elders, one of the leaders in this church, so that they can learn how to come to know you personally through your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, for those of us that are married, I pray that we would have you at the center of our our relationship, you at the center of our family, you at the center of our job. Everything that we do, I pray that you would be at the center of it. And, Lord, give us passion for our spouses. Help us to, to go above and beyond serving them. And we thank you for the gift of love, and we pray that you would just show us what that looks like and as we continue to look at what it means to have a covenant marriage. It's in your holy name I pray. Amen. Thank you guys for being here.